encourage you, if you've got a Bible, to open it up. We'll be reading from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, and then a little later we'll jump into Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, there'll be a few other verses too, which if you're kind of quick to thumb around, you'll find them, uh, but they will also come up on the screen. So we're going to get straight into it and read. But just before we do, we need to remember the context that these words were first spoken into. Uh, when God spoke them to his people through Moses, uh, and we find the account of it in Exodus chapter 20, God has just freed his people from slavery in Egypt. So he's just brought them out of a place of slavery, and they're headed to a promised land, a, a good land that God would provide for his people. And in this place of freedom, while they're on their way to the promised land, God speaks them these ten words, ten words of life that are not for their restriction, but are words that are saying to them, this is how to enjoy the freedom that I've won for you. This is, this is what it looks like to live the good life in the freedom that you now have from slavery in Egypt. And as we read them today, if you're a Christian, then actually these are words of life for us. Words from the God who has freed us from slavery to sin. Freed us from the penalty of death. And whilst we're journeying to an eternity with him, we live in the tension of the now and not yet. And in this tension, just as he spoke to the Israelites in the wilderness and gave them these Ten Commandments, we have these for our benefit today. As God says, this is, this is what it looks like to live the good life to enjoy the freedom that I've won for you. And so we're going to read together from Exodus 20, uh, and then we'll, we'll get stuck into it. So Exodus 20, verse 12. It's a very short reading today. <clears throat> Let's read, shall we? Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord is giving you. Full stop. I'm going to pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand and apply your word today. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are the one who leads us into all truth. We pray, would you open our eyes to see and our ears to hear this afternoon. Would your word take root in our hearts and bear fruit in our lives for your glory. Amen. Good, well, this fifth commandment is simple enough, right? It's, we probably all just read it and went, yeah, cool, carry on. Honor your father and mother. Easy. <laughs> well, we're going to look at it and dig into it a bit and hopefully tease a bit more out of it than the kind of surface understanding that we may have from just reading it once uh, by asking a series of questions of it. And the questions we're going to ask this afternoon are, what does it mean to honor? Who should we honor? Which might not be as obvious as we first think. How do we honor? And why? Should we honor? So we're going we're gonna to do a, a, a what, who, how, and why as we approach this fifth commandments this afternoon. But before we jump into that, I just want to make sure you don't all switch off. Because I think people often read this commandment and instinctively think that it is directed to young children. They instinctively think of young children at home. It's, it's perhaps the commandment most quoted to young children at home. <laughs> and it does definitely apply 
to children living at home with their parents. And consequently, it actually applies to their parents. And so if you're a parent of children, then this applies to you. But it's also absolutely speaking about adult children with older parents, aging parents. If you look at the surrounding context, actually, if you read the rest of the commandments, you can't help but notice that they're quite adult in theme. This commandment sits between commandments about idolatry, adultery, and all manner of other things that are quite adult in theme. There are not many children receiving a warning about adultery. So it would be quite odd if we were to take this commandment and go, oh, all the rest, those are for the grown-ups, this is the one for little kids. Like it, it wouldn't make any sense to read it like that. And so if you were born to human parents, which is all of you, if you were in any doubt, then this is for you. So what does it mean to honour? This, this will be the shortest of our questions. Well, to honour means to hold in high regard, to respect or esteem in word, thought, and action. The, the word honour that we find in the text here is a verb. It's an imperative. It's a command of action. It's not just a way of thinking about someone. To honour someone in the way we're instructed to here is not just a way of thinking about them. It requires action. And the New Testament helps to fill out our understanding of it. So if you can turn to Ephesians chapter 6, we have some instructions there that, that pick up on this and fill it out for us. So Ephesians 6 from verse 1 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then it quotes the fifth commandment, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So honoring parents practically, as a verb, at least for children who are still at home with their parents, at least in part, means obedience to them. It doesn't say in the fifth commandment, obey your parents, but that is clearly part of what it means to act in an honoring way. So who should we honor? Well, at first it seems obvious, doesn't it? You might be like, Owen, why are you even asking that question? <laughs> like it says it, your father and mother. <laughs> and, and the obvious answer is a correct answer. <laughs> mother and father, both of them. And I think we have to make sure that we're clear about that. We don't miss that. But the church from her earliest days has understood this to be a broader instruction, actually, to extend to others within the household of God. The New Testament speaks often of the church as family, as being brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers joined together in Christ Jesus. In 1 Timothy 5, we read one of these kind of passages that, that gives instructions for someone. It says, don't rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. 
Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. The, the New Testament expectation of a church community is that it would interact as a family. And this instruction to honor would be taken and applied in that context. So honoring your father and mother has its primary outworking in your family. But as a Christian, you have been adopted into a wider family in which it finds some further application. And there'll be more we'll see as we go. So we've got, what is it? We've got who we're supposed to honor. So how do we do it? If it's a verb, it's an action, what does it look like? How are we to honor our fathers and mothers. Well, we're going to first look at what it means for children or younger people who are still at home with their parents. And then we're going to move on to the majority of us, those who've grown up and left home. And you might wonder, with the youth out today and the children all out today, why we're going to take time to look at what it means for those still at home. It may be obvious to you. You might not be wondering that at all. But you might be thinking... Well, if it's not for any of us, like, why would we do it? Well, it's because at least part of how this outworks is through parents. And a good number of you are parents. See, children won't just naturally do this. They need to be taught it. And you can't just hope that they'll get taught it by someone else at school or nursery or church. And so that means parents, you have a role to play. You have a vital role to play in training your children in what this looks like. In Ephesians 6, we just read, didn't we? Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Or it could read, don't provoke your children to anger. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean fathers don't ever do anything that would make your children angry with you. It doesn't mean always do what they want so they're never grumpy or cross or angry with you. <laughs> that would be idolatry of your children. That would be wrong, and it wouldn't serve them well. It, no, instead it means don't be overbearing. Don't throw your weight around. Don't make unreasonable demands of your children, but instead gently, patiently, lovingly... <coughs> Teach them godly obedience. Now, for those of you who have children, I don't know if you've noticed, but they don't naturally default to that. Um, if you haven't noticed it yet, honor and obedience is not the default condition of the human heart. It's something we have to learn. We have to grow in. Your children need to learn it to grow in it. Parents, you're called and commissioned by God to instruct your children and to expect obedience of them. Obedience to God as a parent actually means expecting obedience from your children. That's maybe not the most popular thing to say in this day and age, but it's absolutely what the Bible teaches. Your family was God's idea. He could have chosen another mechanism by which children would come into the world, but he didn't. 
He, he designed it that a father and a mother would be necessary for the creation and subsequent nurturing care and discipline and discipling of children. We're going to get more into why we should honor in a bit, but I just want us to see right now that actually a child's relationship with and response to their parents is just so foundational. As a child grows, their relationship with their parents, and when it comes to honor and obedience, sets the tone for pretty much all of their other relationships and interactions. In a good home, as God designed it, children learn to respond to and submit to authority and to listen to and receive instruction. In, in a secure environment where they're loved and cared for and their needs are met. They learn to honor and respect. They learn to do things they don't necessarily want to do because someone who loves them and cares for them and knows what's best for them instructs them to do it for their good. They learn to live with others. And they learn, actually, that there are authority structures. This is increasingly rejected in society. But it's an unavoidable part of God's design for humanity. In family, we learn, or we should learn, about obedience, respect, love, service, protection. And healthy flourishing societies throughout history are built on those things, built on social order, godly authority, trust, mutual respect, and appropriate response to and use of authority. And, and all of those things are supposed to exist in the family and be modeled in the family. And that's why it's so important that children learn to honor their parents. Actually, the, the rest of the commandments that we're going to look at, which could all fall under the heading of loving your neighbor, that's how Jesus summarizes them, as, as love your neighbor. All of these community instructions, loving your neighbor, being a good student, a good employee, a good employer, these things all begin, actually, by honoring your father and mother. It's the way God designed it. Now, there are other ways that you can learn those values and you can learn those lessons, but they're much harder and less effective. The normal pattern God has designed for us is for this to be in the home. And actually, a failure to honor and obey our parents sets us up for failure and conflict in life because it conditions us to reject authority as we get older. It conditions us to reject authority as adults. Actually, that, that in the end is damaging for society. It causes dysfunctional and fractured societies. But it's also damaging for our faith because obeying God means honoring our parents. Conversely, rejecting their authority and failing to honor them 
ultimately conditions us to reject the authority of God and to fail to honor him. So author and theologian Jim Wilkins writes about it like this. She says, a Christian parent trains their child to submit to their visible and temporary authority so that their child might one day submit to God's invisible yet eternal authority. There's a passage in 1 John that says, if you profess to love your brother, if you fail to love your brother who you can see, but you claim to love God, you're not telling the truth. Because how can you love what you can't see if you reject that which you can? It's a paraphrase. But the same principle is at work here, actually. If, if children do not learn to submit to their, the authority of their parents who love them and who they can see, then actually they won't ultimately... It will be much harder for them to submit to the authority of God who they can't see. So here are some quick ways that we can train our children to do this. And then we're going to get on to to what it looks like for us as adults with older parents too. And we're going to go under three headings. And we're going to do this for both younger children and adult children. And we're going to talk about attention, actions, and attitudes. As parents... One of the ways that we train our children to honor their parents and in obedience is requiring their attention and by giving them attention too. <laughs> but actually the Greek word for obey that's used in Ephesians 6 where it says children obey your parents begins with the idea of listening attentively. That's, that's where it starts. Is <laughs> not being distracted or just running off and doing your own thing but listening attentively to the instruction you receive before putting what has been instructed into practice. Again, my guess is if you've had or you have young children, you, it won't be any surprise to you that children need to learn this. They need to be coached in this. You'll need to be intentional about it as they grow. So with their attention, with their actions. I know that this isn't easy and it isn't popular, but actually, as parents, we should require obedience from our children. Not, I think this is where you can get into fathers don't exasperate your children, right? I'm not talking about setting loads and loads of ridiculous petty rules and requiring your children to to do everything in like just a certain way because you like it just so. That's not godly parenting. That's onerous and unhealthy and you will just frustrate your children. If like your response always to when you ask them to do something is just because, because I said it, then there's probably something like not right there, (laughs) respectfully. But we should require obedience to our children and we should ensure that there is a suitable and proportionate consequence if they don't obey. That's how they learn. Not petty just because rules, but train them in obedience. But we need to remember this as we train them too. God made us social creatures as humans. 
He made us in such a way that we learn by listening and observing what your children see and what your children hear will impact what your children do more than anything else. And that should be a provocation to us as parents. They're watching and listening. And, and so we want to be those who model godliness, who model humility, who are quick to apologize when we get it wrong, who model honor to one another within our marriages. I tell you, a guaranteed way to make sure your children don't honor their mother, if you're a dad, is not to honor her yourself. And likewise, wives, a guaranteed way to ensure your children do not honor their father is to disrespect and dishonor him yourself. We model it. And they learn. Model love and acts of service and encourage your children to imitate you in that. It's not always going to go right. Okay? But there'll be times when it does. Me and Jenny have these moments where we catch our children doing something that we're like, yes! Like, they, they just, I didn't think anything was going in, but did you see that? When you see it, celebrate it. Call it out. Affirm them in it. Praise them. Model and celebrate obedience and godly behavior in your home. It will make a difference. And the last one with children is with their attitude. We need to coach our children in gratitude, to nurture and cultivate gratitude in our homes. Gratitude to God and gratitude to one another. You will need to talk to them about it. It won't just happen. You also need to talk to them about their attitude in other respects. We have these conversations often in our family. Because parenting isn't just about getting the right behavior. Like, we need to understand that. But there are loads of ways to get your children to behave right. You can bribe them with treats. Like, if you're quiet, I'll give you a bag of sweets later. Like, actually, that doesn't train their hearts to honor you as parents. That's, I, I, I want to lovingly suggest to you that's not... Like, I understand that it's easy, and I would be lying if I said I've never done it. But I, I, I would lovingly say it's probably not the best parenting technique going. Or you can be overly harsh, and the penalties. If you don't, then I will. If you don't stop, then that's also not always the best way of handling this. Because parenting isn't just about getting the right behavior. In the long run, parenting is about training our children's hearts. Honor comes from their hearts. Their response to God ultimately will come from their hearts. As parents, we're not just trying to get them to say or do the right things. Getting them to say or do the right things if they're harboring bitterness and resentment in their hearts is ultimately a fruitless endeavor. It looks good on the outside, but it's rotten on the inside. And long term, it will be a disaster.
We need to find ways of speaking to our children's hearts. Helping them to obey for the right motives, the right reasons. Motivated by love rather than by guilt or shame. There's, there's loads and loads that we could talk about. And I, I was thinking, preparing it, maybe at some point it would be good to get together as parents in the church and to talk about some of this stuff together. Um, but I, we're going to move on now to, to how this works out for us as adults with our fathers and mothers. And we're going to take those same headings of attention and actions and attitude and unpack it a bit together. So what does it look like? How do we honor our parents as adults with our attention? This is a really significant one. And I've put, I've, I just to be honest, I felt really challenged on this this week with my relationship with my own parents. And as Jenny and I spoke in the car, we were driving somewhere on Friday in the car, and both of us felt really challenged on this. Like, we, we're probably quite neglectful a lot of the time of our parents. We don't give them much attention. It's easy in the busyness of life and contemporary culture to live quite an out-of-sight, out-of-mind way with our parents. That doesn't honor them. (laughs) Calling them, speaking with them, listening to them, giving them your attention. is a big way we can honor them. Honor our parents by giving them our attention. Part of giving them your attention is seeking their advice. Seek out and listen to your parents' advice. It's part of what it looks like to honor them, even as a grown-up. Now, you don't have to agree with it. You don't necessarily have to follow it. The dynamic changes when you've grown up and left home. You particularly don't have to follow it if it conflicts with Scripture, but but I want to encourage you to seek it out. I think you'd be surprised what difference it would make to your parents. Maybe some of you who've got grown-up children who've left home would attest to that fact. Actually, when your children give you their attention, and when they seek your advice on things, you feel honoured. Don't be dismissive of your parents' views. It's easy to think as we get older, we have all the answers. It's foolish. Proverbs 23, 22 says, Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. There's lots of other passages we could look at that say much the same. So I want to ask, how are you doing at honoring your father and mother with your attention? Do you broadly just, just live with them over there somewhere? Like maybe occasionally if you need something, you pick up the phone. But aside from that, it's to honor our parents. And one of the ways we do that is with our attention. How about with our actions? See, our practical honoring shifts when we leave home. Obedience isn't required, actually, of grown-up children. when we're no longer under the care of our parents, particularly for those who are married. And we read about that in Genesis, and Jesus picks it up in Matthew 19, saying, 
You know, that when someone gets married, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And this leaving and cleaving process changes the relational dynamic. It doesn't mean you don't have to honor your parents anymore, but, but the way that works out is different. Obedience isn't required in the same way, but it doesn't mean that you live with no regard for your parents. And there are lots of practical ways that we can honor our parents as grown-ups. Show hospitality towards them. You can welcome them. Look for opportunities to serve them. Rather than calling them and asking what they can do for you, you could call them and ask what you could do for them. Ask how you can help. And then particularly as they advance in years, care for them. Guys, you need to hear this. God calls you to it. I think increasingly in our modern age, like the care of our elderly relatives, the, the way that happens has changed so much, hasn't it? Like you go back 100 years, who are they living with when they get old? You. Like that's how it's always worked. But, but in modern history, like that has shifted. People move around a lot more. We're not necessarily near our parents and I'm not saying that it's dishonoring of your parents to have them in a, a nursing home, okay? I, that's, you have to work that out as a family and you have to work that out with them. But I do want to say that God calls you as part of honoring your parents in their old age to ensure that they're well cared for. And we also honor them with our attitude. This is another one that I think Maybe he's stung a bit for me this week. See, I think part of how we honor our parents as adults with our attitude is in how we speak about them and how we speak to them. And actually, it doesn't stop even once our parents have passed. So I think there's still a call to honor our parents. We can continue to honor them in the way we speak about them. Express gratitude for them. It's one of the most valuable ways we can honor our parents, both whilst we live under their roof and beyond into adulthood. Honor them by thanking them. <laughs> Look, I don't know all of your stories. I'm confident, though, that your parents won't have got everything right. And, and some of you may have had really difficult upbringings where your reflection is more like, hey, I don't know what my parents did get right. But interesting that that doesn't necessarily change your call to honor them. You can still honor them with gratitude for what they did do. Remember, this extends into the church, into the family of God. We're really privileged at Foundation to have a number of older people in our church, great mothers and fathers, in our church fellowship. Just, most churches, I don't know if you know this, but you can look at the demographics of churches, and most churches have like a 20-year window either side of the like, senior leader of that church. And it's like observable. You have a, like a, a large peak in that area, and then hardly anything outside of that window, other than for children, depending on like, where that age sits. 
our demographic doesn't quite work like that. And I'm really grateful for that fact. Because it means we've got Chris and Julie and Dave and Anne and Eileen and Di and others amongst us. And I know many of you already do, but I want to encourage you to honor them. To honor them as mothers and fathers in this church community. To see and value the contribution that they bring. If we fail to do that, then our church will be weaker for it. Our church will be dysfunctional. It won't be the way God designed it to be. You know, it's right to want to see young people trained up and released into ministry. But I think sometimes if we're not careful, the the modern Western church can end up just following along with culture in a belief that if we get all the young and cool and attractive people up the front and profiled, then somehow like that will help. I just don't think that's what God had in mind for his people, for church, his family. We mustn't ever fall into the trap of believing that older people are somehow irrelevant. You know, our culture has an obsession with youth. The the quest for to to stay young, to stay looking young. Popular culture is dominated by young. There's an appropriate level of respect and deference that should mark our relationships with older people. We should honor them. The church shouldn't look like that. A culture obsessed with looking young and feeling young and not wanting to be quote unquote have old fashioned views. There's something very countercultural and also very godly about honoring and listening to older people and receiving wisdom from them. And Mitch, as a young man, has actually been a great and godly example of this in our church, and most of you won't be aware of it because he, he'd probably be embarrassed me saying it. But when he joined us as a church, we talked about life groups, and he, he really wanted to be in a life group with older people. Because he understood this and he saw the value in it. And he'd done the same at university in Portsmouth. He sought out a group that had older people than him. Mothers and fathers in the faith who he could learn from and benefit from being around. That's honoring. (laughs) It's good. We need to do more of that together. You may be well thinking, Owen, this is all very well and good, but why? Like, why should we honor our fathers and mothers? Why is this all so important? Why not just pursue youth and youthfulness where the energy is? Well, there are a few reasons. The first one should probably be the most compelling because God said so. Okay? Like, obedience to and honoring our mothers and fathers in our actual biological families and in the church community and more broadly in society is part and parcel of obedience to and honoring God. And so if you're a Christian, reason number one, God said so. And in many ways that should be enough for us. But there's more. 
there's more. Another compelling reason, I'm going to skip over some for time, but another compelling reason is that Jesus, the perfect human, who we are called to grow in the likeness of as Christians, modeled it for us. He modeled it for us amazingly. Jesus lived in obedience and in an honoring way of his Father in heaven. And we see that time and time and time again through the Gospels as he submits to the will of his Father. But also of his human parents, Mary and Joseph. And I think this is, this is a really important one for us to grasp. So we find in Luke chapter 2, this moment of Jesus as a, as a young boy, as a 12-year-old in the temple, and he is engaging with the teachers there, and they're, they're all just blown away <laughs> at his understanding. Jesus knew, I think, and most commentators would agree, who he was and, and why he'd come at this point. And Mary and Joseph came to, to get him from the temple, and he went willingly with them. And we read in, in Luke 2, 51, that he went down with them, from the temple back home, and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. Isn't that amazing? Jesus lived this out. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Jesus was submissive to Mary and Joseph. He, he honored and obeyed them as his earthly parents. And it blessed Mary. I bet it did. She treasured it in her heart. See, Jesus was clearly more holy than his parents. <laughs> but he was willingly obedient and submissive to them. He honored them. Isn't that amazing? See, maybe you think you know better than your parents. Maybe you do. Maybe you think you're more morally upright than your parents. Maybe you are. Jesus definitely was. He definitely was. But that wasn't an excuse for lack of obedience or honor. And neither is it for you. He demonstrated an honor and deference of his parents, even though that he knew he was going to the cross to pay for their sins. Can you imagine that? Just, just get your head around that for a moment. Jesus went and he lived in their house and willingly lived in submission to their parenting, which would not have been perfect. But he did it because it was right to honor them as his father and mother, knowing that he would go to the cross to pay the penalty for their imperfect parenting. Isn't that amazing? And even on the cross, even in that moment of agony, Jesus honored Mary. And if you've picked that up in the Gospels, Joseph had died by the time Jesus was crucified, but there on the cross, Jesus honored his mother. 
in an act of love and care for her. We read in John 19, and Jesus saw his mother, so from verse 26, Jesus saw his mother and the disciple who he loved, that's John, standing nearby. He said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. What's going on there? Jesus is ensuring that Mary is cared for in her old age by his friend, John, because he would no longer be around to do that. He honored her. He honored her with his words. He honored her with his actions. He honored her with his attitude. And if that wasn't reason enough, God tells us to, and Jesus modeled it. God actually gives us another reason. He tells us why. You know, there are some things in Scripture that God instructs of us, and sometimes we just have to obey Him without really understanding why. But because He's Lord. Sometimes we just need to trust that He knows what's best. But here we get given further reason. I don't know if you noticed it when we read right at the beginning in Exodus 20, verse 12. It tells us, Honor your father and mother, to what end? That your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And we, we read the same in Ephesians 6, phrased slightly differently. That it may go well with you. Long days isn't primarily about how many years you're alive for in this context. It's about abundance or fullness of life. Or you could say the good life. This commandment couldn't be more clear. Jesus says, if you want to enjoy the good life, then honor your parents. Honor your parents as children, honor your parents as adults, honor your parents into old age. Society flourishes when mothers and fathers are honored the way God instructs. As we saw earlier, the family is the training ground, the building block for a healthy and cohesive society. When you reject that and push against it, you end up in a mess. God designed societies to be built in this way. how different our families and consequently society would look if we obeyed the simple command and honored our fathers and mothers. Like really honored them. Honored them with our attention, honored them with our actions, and honored them with our attitudes. I think it would look very different, wouldn't it? But it's tough, isn't it? Like it's hard to outwork. And we can be honest about that. So what do we do? <laughs> what do we do? Well, we come to our Heavenly Father and we say, Lord, help us. We remember that this instruction isn't about earning salvation 
or earning God's favor. It's a fruitful and beautiful way to live, the way God designed it. And it is the way we will live in eternity. In heaven, there will be perfect honoring society, the way God designed it. But here and now, the good news is we're not condemned when we fail to live this out. There are, there are consequences to our failure and sin. When, when we don't honor our father and mother, and I think we see some of those consequences worked out all in the world around us right now. When mothers and fathers aren't honored the way they should be. The, the loneliness epidemic amongst elderly people in our country alone is enough to tell us there's something very broken about the way we work as a society right now when it comes to honoring mothers and fathers. There are consequences to our sin. This failure to live in accordance with God's word always has consequences for us and for others. So, when we don't get this right, it, there are consequences, okay? Like, we need to be real about that. That's part of what it means to live in this fallen world, that Christ will one day come and restore. But whilst we live in this moment, we need to remember, too, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus lived this out perfectly, both with his earthly parents and with his Father in heaven. And he who knew no sin when he went to the cross took our sin and our failure to honor our father and mother upon himself as though it were his own sin, his own failure to honor. And he bore the punishment that was justly ours so that we could be forgiven, so that we could stand, not condemned, but free. And that in that freedom, we might cry out, Lord, help us. Lord, help us to live this out. Help us to do this for your glory and for the good of those around us. And he sent a spirit to help us. So when we fail, we come and we confess. We find forgiveness and we receive his spirit. Empower us to live this out. We're going to come and take communion in just a moment. And before we do, I, I want to suggest that, that actually there may be, for some of us, maybe for many of us, uh, a need actually to confess before God, Lord, I, I know <laughs> I failed to honor my mother and father the way you called me to. And you may need to do that over your attitudes, your actions, your attention. <coughs> but as you do, there's good news. You're not condemned. <laughs> there's forgiveness. 
It's a fresh start. There may be ongoing consequences to the past and to the way things have been. But you don't have to carry on living in that way anymore. You can walk forward in freedom. So I want to pray for us in this moment. Uh, I want to encourage you to to join me in this prayer. uh, And then I'm going to invite you to come to the table and we'll share a communion.